I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter by the qualities that are most important to you. Then book free 15-minute consultations with any therapist you're interested in seeing. And because 95% of therapists at Alma accept insurance, you can find care that's affordable to You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit helloalma.com slash therapy30 to schedule a free consultation today. That's helloalma.com slash therapy30. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. It's time. Time for silver and black today. To the ground game. Touchdown, Las Vegas. We're breaking down the latest Raider news from on and off the field and bringing you conversations with newsmakers and record breakers. So hold on, Raider Nation. It's time to get, get it, it on. Here's your host, Scott Goldbranson and Mo Moulton. Welcome back. Silver and Black today, an Odyssey original podcast. Also, a special hello to our listeners this morning on 98.5 The Fan in Las Vegas. Thanks for joining us. This is Silver and Black today, as I mentioned. I am Scott Colbranson. My co-host is Mo Moten. He is the national NFL writer for Bleacher Report. Also, the Raiders columnist at SportsNot.com. Follow him at M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N. That's Mo Moten on Twitter. I am at LV Gully. We appreciate you guys being back here. Do us a favor, whether you're listening to us on the radio or you're listening to us on the podcast, subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast. Uh, radio, we're on Sunday mornings before the game, but uh, we are on all week long, uh, including post-game show, including Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. So make sure you go subscribe if you're listening to us there. We certainly would appreciate that. All right, we're going to jump into what we have to talk about today with the Raiders. First of all, Mo, I want to talk about the injury report. Anthony Averett has gone on IR. It looks like Nate Hobbs could be back this week. We're not certain yet about his designation. Darren Waller, Hunter Renfro are eligible next week. 
Josh McDaniels was asked about this at the press conference yesterday on Wednesday, and he gave the typical, well, it looks good, we're can and it was a basically a non-answer. So the, the, the Raiders continue to miss, con, uh, continuing to miss contributing players, uh, but Averett struggled. We thought he was going to be a really big answer for this team, and he's kind of struggled, uh, especially as of late, and maybe it's because of an injury. We don't know. But uh, that was a, uh, a new one on the injury report. Other than that, some just bit, you know limited practice. Uh, Colton Miller again, of course, Josh Jacobs. But this time of the year, you see a lot of that. So it's not overly concerning. But the Averett, uh, where you have a secondary already struggling, already low on manpower, not a good sign. Yeah, I whiffed on Averett. I thought he was actually going to be a difference maker in that secondary. Uh, along with being hurt, he just hasn't made a difference even while he was healthy. And I just mm. felt like this was his opportunity after a good year with the Ravens to really establish himself as a starter in this league. Hasn't happened. When you go on the IR for a second time, your season is over. So we're not going to see any more of Anthony Avery in a Raiders uniform. But uh, as you said, the Raiders are hurting in the secondary. You would like to have Nate Hobbs back, even though Mike Williams with the Chargers is not practicing either. Mm-hmm. We aggravated his ankle, but Joshua Palmer has done well as a number two wide receiver. DeAndre Carter has popped up as a playmaker for the Chargers, so the Raiders are still going to need guys in the defensive backfield to stop that Chargers pass attack. And, and we heard uh, some reports, although Josh McDaniels would not confirm that the Raiders were withholding Josh Jacobs from practice and setting out a plan for him to practice or at least to work out and, and uh, get treatment on that calf that has bothered him uh, for two weeks now. And we thought he might not be active for the Seattle game. And then he runs for 300 yards or has 300 yards, I should say, overall. And uh, so so it's hard to know whether or not the, the Raiders should be concerned about that. I can't imagine, unless it somehow got worse, that Josh Jacobs misses the game against the Chargers. It's a big game, obviously, AFC West. The Raiders win the game, and they are in sole possession of second place in the division, believe it or not, and would move to 5-7, and seven, just a couple games below 500. Um, this is one of those things where I think they're better off being cautious. Josh Jacobs is running the best of his career. He does not need practice. Uh, he needs to get healthy, needs to make sure... He conditions that calf so that he'll be ready to go at game time. And the kid's already shown. We had questions about him, obviously, coming into this season about durability. But so far, uh, with an injury this year in one game, he's come out. He's a gamer. He's been ready to go. Yeah, I wrote a piece on Sportsnot talking about Josh Jacobs and just the Raiders' mismanagement of their running back room. Hate to be a negative Nate. Not so much a negative Nate, but it's just a, a caution to fans that if Josh Jacobs is not – able to handle his normal workload and the Raiders falter because they can't take advantage of or exploit the weakness of the Chargers run defense. That's on Josh McDaniels because he didn't develop a number two ball carrier. As I wrote in a piece, Derek Carr is second on the team in in rush attempts right now with 17. Zamir White has 10 carries on the season. Now, as I said on Twitter to some, um, someone who was, uh, you know, discussing the Zamir White situation with me that we don't know what Zamir White has looked like at practice. Mm-hmm. And I wrote this in the sports Nights piece that usually when a running back doesn't get a lot of playing time as a rookie, two things have happened. Either he doesn't look good at practice or he's not good in pass protection because right. coaches are not going to let a guy on the field until he's able to pick up those pass blocking assignments because number one priority out there when you're not running the football is to protect the quarterback. And if you can't <laughs> do that, you're not going to get on the field. So, 
I'm not at practice. I just want to put that. I'm not at practice. I don't know what Zamir White looks like. Only the guys and the coaches in the building know what Zamir White looks like. But that could be the reason why he's not getting snaps. But also a quick note, Scott, just want a quick mm-hmm. housekeeping note. Not to get Raiders fans too excited, but even if the Raiders win this game on Sunday, they'll still be in third. They'll still be a game behind the Chargers. Chargers are six oh. and five. Raiders are four and seven. So they'll pull closer to second place, but they won't be quite in second place yet. But they'll... It's basically, second place is still up for grabs. It's still within reach, and this it's game reach. Thank could you. go a, a long way for the Raiders pulling out of third and into second behind the Kansas City Chiefs. All right, Mo, thanks for uh, putting a spotlight on my lack of preparation. No, I just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, I, I get what you're saying. Well, Absolutely. No, I, you're back. You just got to keep me honest. I love it. This is be- It's better than me than, than people on Twitter saying, Scott, you said this and it was wrong. So thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, but yes, and, and that's the thing, too, is with that running back room, we talked about the running back room being a strength going into the season. We talked about Josh McDaniel's history in New England. Uh, I am surprised that they're not. Now, to your point, Zamir White might not look good in practice. That's why he's not getting the reps. But they have other guys, including Amir Abdullah, who has been big in the kickoff game, of course, and in the passing okay. game. Uh, but I'm surprised that they aren't getting somebody else in the rotation, especially I would imagine they will this week. Because the Chargers are so historically bad against the run. I mean, it's not even funny. And so if, if that's the case, why would you not get some of your young guys in there and spell uh, Josh Jacobs, especially if, if, he's, if he's at all struggling? Let us remember, it took Josh McDaniels about a month just to get Josh Jacobs the football. Oh, that's uh, true. We've been, we have been screaming to get Josh Jacobs more carries, and he gave the excuse that, you know, you fall behind, you can't run the ball. And I understand that when you're behind 20 points. But when you're down by even two scores, if you're down by 14, 10, you can still find ways to get the, the run game incorporated in your game plan. And I think that was just an excuse because – I say this, I'm saying this again, I think he just fell in love with the passing game. And once there was some hiccups there and then some injuries with Waller and Renfro, now you have to rely on the run game. You do. By the way, in the Raiders' four (laughs) victories, Josh Jacobs, and this is why I say they would not have a win without him, uh, over 150 yards in every game, 175 in the first win against the Broncos, 155 against the Texans, 160 versus the Broncos in the second game, the overtime game, and 303 yards against Seattle. So uh, the it's undeniable what Josh Jacobs has meant, and we're not going to get into the whole pay the guy now. We talked about that the last two days, and I think we're pretty clear on where we stand on that, and most people understand the economics of it. But one of the things we want to talk about with the injury situation, Mo, was something that we saw up on uh, RaidersBeat.com, and it was a Uh-oh. story about... The uh, by JT the Brick, uh, my good friend and former colleague over at Raider Nation Radio on his show, talked about this. And I'm going to read the quote, and, and, and it doesn't name a player, okay? But, but we'll get to perhaps what it points at, which is uh, JT on the show said this. He said, quote, every team plays hard, but this team, there is something special about it because the, there are guys who are not playing for whatever reason, wink, wink, this is not me. He's saying wink, wink and can't get on the field. Wink, wink. And the rest of these guys are like, Hey, if you can't get on the field, we're going to go win the game. We can't wait for you to get out of the tub. We can't wait for you to get your private masseuse to get you ready. We've got a game tonight. We've got to play. End of quote. So Mo, I, I for some reason, I don't think Hunter Rumfro is in the hot tub and has a private masseuse. Um, call me crazy. I worked with the guy for a year. He worked on this show for a year, 
uh, every week. Got to know him a little bit. I don't think that's him. Uh, I don't think Brandon Parker has a private masseuse. I could be wrong. I don't know. After the Deshaun Watson thing, I don't know why anybody would have a private masseuse, by the way. Uh, so, so when you look at this situation, a lot of people are surmising that this could be Darren Waller. Now, Darren Waller's been on IR. He could not come back until this next week. So when you look at that and you start to think about what's happening in that Raider locker room, it seems like those guys have all gotten together. They've gotten closer. We've seen that in these two overtime wins. You saw it in the rally you mentioned over the last two shows around Derek Carr in the locker room and how excited this team was after that Denver win. Um, could this be that situation? I mean, we're purely speculating. Let me be clear about that. Nobody has said it's Darren Waller, uh, but but it, it seems to point that direction, Mo. Yeah, I think I, I would say it's clear, but he's probably the first name that comes to mind when you think about who JT DeBrick could be talking about. Uh, you got to remember that Darren Waller, he, he had an injury during the offseason, missed practices. Mm -hmm. We on the show defended him for not attending we a preseason did. game that, that he wasn't going to play in. And I stand by that, that I don't think that was a big deal. But once you get into the regular season and you go through weeks of practice, mm -hmm. full practices, only to get up to the kickoff and don't play, I think other players as well as fans start to think, well, what's going on? You practice fine. You go through whole practices for a week and you don't play in the actual game. Then he goes on IR. Now, there was a sentiment from Rap Sheet, Ian Rapport from NFL Network, that he may have re-aggravated his hamstring injury. We don't know the nature of that. Mm -hmm. But I can I could probably guess that other players are wondering what's going on with Darren, Darren Waller, especially in fairness. I, this is, you know, go get the bag. If, go get your new contract if you can get it. But once you get paid, once you become the highest paid tight end or highest paid player at your position, people are going to look at you and say, we expect you to battle through injury and play in football games because that's mm -hmm. what we're paying you to do partially to produce yeah. and to be tough and fight through some things and help your team out. Yeah. And even though JT did not say Darren Waller, I want to be very clear about that because I'm not going to put words in his mouth. I read the right. quote. I want to be accurate with that. Uh, right. But if you remember two weeks ago, Vinny Bonsignor of the Las Vegas Review Journal wrote a piece that there was some growing frustration in the Raider organization with perhaps Darren Waller's recovery. So you start putting one and one together, okay? So, so two people very close to the team who cover the team every day who are there uh, have now mentioned this issue, not by name from JT, but certainly Vinny's piece did by name. And so you start to get concerned with that. You start to say to yourself, okay, you're about to come off of IR. Josh McDaniels in his press conference yesterday on Wednesday was, was noncommittal, uh, said they were on schedule, but he did not go into specifics and nobody pressed him on the Darren Waller situation. Uh, and I don't think they, they saw this report yet, so, so they probably didn't ask about that either. But it, it's interesting because the Darren Waller situation, and I know you have had a lot of online interactions as if I had conversations too on this show over the last couple of weeks about the, the Green Bay Packers inquiring about Darren Waller. You mentioned it on, on Tuesday's show um, and how he will have trade value no matter whether he comes back or not this season and how it probably would behoove the Raiders if they get good capital back for him that they do it because it just seems as though perhaps no matter how much potential he has. And this is where I argue with Raider Nation all the time. Well, he's so good. Well, yeah, but if you're playing 50% of the games that you're being paid to play, 
how valuable are you no matter how good you are? Right. I had several interactions on Wednesday with Raider fans on Twitter. None of them bad. Um, shout out to World Dictator. Uh, he he presented a tweet about Darren Wallace's snap count, and I had a response to it. And maybe he took umbrage with that response. But I'm <laughs> I'm here to say, like I, you know, I'm not mad about any of this stuff. This is not no, like I'm no. not angry about any of these interactions. World Dictator. We usually have, and we always have great conversations on Twitter about the Raiders. Never anything with you know uh, tense issues going on. But we had it back and forth. And my thing with Darren Weller is. Yes, when he first came onto the scene, when Gruden first plucked him off the Baltimore Ravens practice squad, very reliable player. Didn't miss any time. He was a, he was a main target for a period. But over the last two years, and what have you done for me lately, league? He mm-hmm. just hasn't been available. And when you add on the fact that he got a new deal, it it's it's not a good return rate. Fifty seven a fifty seven percent attendance rate in any situation is not a good return rate. And and I'm not and I'm not blaming Darren Waller and saying you know some people are going to go out and say he doesn't love football anymore. I don't want to go out there and say anything about the man's character because I don't know Darren Waller personally. All I know is that he's missed almost half the games, right. and he's one of the highest paid players in the league. Point blank, period. Emotions aside, that's not a good return on your investment. Yeah, Mo. I mean, you you recently this past <clears throat> offseason got a nice promotion at Bleacher Report. Imagine if you missed fifty percent of your your deadlines. I, I don't think Bleacher Report would be uh, saying, "Hey, Mo, we want you to come back." No, because you got you listen. You got to be there. And I know it's football. It's injury. We're comparing that to mm-hmm. writing. It's a little different. I get it. But at the same time, that's what you're getting paid to do. Uh, and it goes back to what we discussed about. Hey, it probably was too early. Uh, to extend him when they had a two years left on the contract, but they are where they are with that. So we'll have to see what happens with Darren Waller. And I know fans love him because of his talent and I get that. Uh, but if he's not on the field, he does absolutely no good for you. I'll say this, Scott, and it's not quite a bold prediction, but I'll say this. If Darren Waller doesn't come back to play in a game this season, and he continues to have these injuries. Let's say he goes into another offseason, because I said this on Twitter too, that over in addition to the games that he's missed during a regular season, he hasn't been healthy during the last two offseasons. Right. He's missed several practices. And I think that also matters. If he goes into another offseason banged up and he's missing several practices, I would say the Raiders trade him before week one. If yeah. he doesn't get healthy before week one of 2023, I could see the Raiders moving him for a day two draft pick. Absolutely. We no question. That, by the way. <laughs> we will clip that and we will get it ready for folks so that we can go back to it uh, before we get to week one next year. Or excuse me, before the draft even. All right. Um, we're going to take a quick break here as we end our first segment on this edition of Silver and Black today. An Odyssey original podcast also uh, on your Sunday morning on 98.5 The Fan in Las Vegas. We come back. We're going to talk more Raiders football. We're going to talk about uh, Josh Jacobs as well. We're going to talk about this team, where they're at, what it looks like heading into uh, the game on Sunday in Las Vegas, including the Los Angeles Chargers. You're with Scott. You're with Mo. This is Silver and Black today. Don't go anywhere. We are coming right back. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. 
Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Welcome back. Silver and Black today, an Odyssey original podcast, also over the air in Las Vegas on 98.5 The Fan. And if you're in the middle of the night, you stayed out too long in Vegas, you're trying to roll home from the casino, we are also on 1140 a.m. The Bet at 4 a.m. Pacific. That's early enough I get up on the East Coast and I can actually listen. Uh, but anyway, thanks to that. appreciate you guys listening. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast anywhere you can. All you have to do is search Silver and Black today and you will find us, including you can do it on your smart speaker at home. Just say, hey, Alexa, play Silver and Black today. And boom, we are there on your device. By the way, we have to give congratulations. Josh Jacobs was named the FedEx Ground Player of the Week, of course, is 229 yards on 33 carries. Did that as well. $2,000 donation from FedEx in Josh Jacobs' name to historically black college or university of his choice. And that goes towards the needs-based scholarships de- uh, for deserving HBCU students. So congratulations uh, to that as well. Uh, and uh, Jets quarterback Mike White, Mo, was named the Air NFL Player of the Week. Amazing. He comes in and plays instead of the first round draft pick and he wins the FedEx award the first year he's in there. Moe's in New York, if you guys, for those of you who are new and listening, so so he knows the Jets situation really well. Yeah, he is the king of the tri-state area right now. <laughs> I was going to say. Guys, guys, people are chanting Mike White. Anytime you go out to a crowded area, there are Jets fans. They are rooting on uh, Mike White. They have already forgotten about Zach Wilson and his draft position. They don't care. The Jets just want to win games. The Jets, the reason I like to interact with Jets fans is because they're very similar to Raiders fans. They may Mm. not have like the the decorated Hall of Famers that the Raiders have. But right now they're they're so they're clamoring for for something to cheer for and win. They want to win playoff games. And I feel like the Raiders are in that same mode where proud organization, proud fan base just wants to win no matter who the quarterback is. And until recently, they had to watch for decades as the Giants were pretty good. So I right. can't even imagine, you know, it's, it's like akin to Raiders fans watching the 49ers because 49ers. it's not, it's not exactly. fun. Uh, I, still don't get, I still don't get how the Jets being in New York City can be so bad for so long. But that's a whole different story for a different conversation. Uh, speaking <laughs> of fans, I'm glad you said that because um, we saw a survey come out and I wanted to see this, a, nas- a nationwide survey. Now, I, I can't give you the veracity of this survey. It comes from NJ Bet, which is New Jersey Bet, which there's an Ohio Bet. There is a there's a uh, th- this company, the betting companies all over the place. But they ranked the top five most rude fans in the NFL, Mo. And number one is no surprise, and I don't have to read a survey to know this because I've experienced it, and that is the Eagle fans. 
Shout out to our friends in, in Philly. Um, by well, the way, the, the Philly podcast, the Eagle podcast is ahead of us. We're number three. They're number one. So we have a little bit of a competitive nature with that one. But Philadelphia fans in general, I've been around them. I've been to Eagles games. I've been to Phillies games. And it's a rough go. I'm close to being in New York City, so I'm not that far. Last time I went to Philadelphia, I remember there were some rowdy Phillies fans, actually, that I was close to. I was around in my vicinity, but uh, weren't weren't rude to me, but I could see like their attitude toward other people, outsiders. I had my, Yan- <laughs> I had my Yankee hat on at the time. Yeah, uh, I'm a Mets fan, but I, I wear the Yankee cap for fashion. Just putting that out there. Um, like, like your Nets hat? <laughs> yeah, like my like my Nets hat today that everyone accused not me of a wearing Nets a Nets hat. hat. It is oh. not a Nets hat, people. For just full disclosures, this is a Brooklyn snapback. It has right. nothing to do with the New Jersey Nets. The colors are very similar. Yes, the colors are identical. I get it, but it's not the Brooklyn Nets. And not only that, Mo, and I'm sorry to interrupt your point there, but when you go to New York City, for those of you who have not been to New York City, there's hats like this for every different borough and neighborhood. Right, like you can you can find it, them everywhere. Yeah, right. There's a if you if you come in New York City, you've seen this hat. You've probably seen it in different colors. A lot of people wear it in all black. Some mm-hmm. people have it in a navy navy blue color, like the Yankees cap. But you'll see one for Brooklyn. You'll see one for the Bronx, Queens. It's it's just a borough thing. It's not a it's not a right. sports team thing. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so we'll make that clear. But so so the Eagles number one, number two. Your Las Vegas, you Raider Nation are the second most rude fan base, according, not from me, I'm not saying that, from NJBet.com. Dallas Cowboys number three, I believe that, because Cowboy fans, overall, I've never met, I've met, most Cowboy fans I've met are really obnoxious, they've never even been to Dallas, they've never even been to a Cowboy game, it's really weird. Uh, The Cowboy fans from Texas that I've met have always been very nice, by the way. New England Patriots, number four, that comes with winning all those rings. And number five, the Pittsburgh Steelers. So, Mo, the Raiders, number two. Do you know why they say they're the most rude fans? The rudest behavior, what the behavior is? Starting fights. Oh, gosh. <laughs> you know, I, I kind of you know, hate that because that's, yeah. the, that's the kind of brand image that Raiders fans get. And I think it's kind of... Not kind of, it is undeserving because yeah. anytime you think Raiders fans unruly, you think people fighting in the stands, right? Right. But when you go on Twitter, go on social media right now, you'll see fans of any team base, you know, fan base doing this. I remember when the Phoenix Suns guy punched a guy out and, and it was all, it was, it, they turned it into a meme or a joke. The Suns in, Suns in five or three and one, so something like that. But Phoenix Suns fans punches a guy, knocks him out. And the Suns win the game, and it was it was cool for that. But when you mention Raiders fans and unruly and and just being rude, you think, oh, all Raiders fans fight in the stands and all this other stuff. And they've been trying to fans have been trying to separate themselves from that image. Um, so it's it's kind of just I, I expect that. <laughs> well, and not only that, but it's it's sort of. <sighs> I don't. I think that I think that the sur- they're obviously doing a survey, and so the the yeah. brand of Raider Nation from a fan perspective is that, and and I agree, it's it's unfair, and some of the reasoning behind the other is Dallas Cowboys are considered the third most rude because they heckle too much. What? Heckle too much? How? That's rude. That's part of being a fan, is it not? How can you? How can yeah. fans be rude for heckling? <laughs> I don't. You get know that. what though? You you know what though? You know what I find interesting about that survey? You notice three of the teams are on the East Coast. Uh-huh. 
I had a, I was at the Bleacher Report office a month ago, and one of my colleagues tapped me on the shoulder and he said, "You know, when you go to a game on the West Coast, it's a lot different than going to a sports game on the East Coast." He said, "The East no Coast, question. the fans are a lot more intense." Yep. And he said, "I've experienced going on games on both coasts," and he said, "The West is pretty chill. Of course, you have rowdy people in every group." Sure. But he said it on the East, and even he said it, he said when you go to a Philadelphia sports team game, forget about it. Those fans. <laughs> They don't. It's a life. It's truly a lifestyle out there. Do not. They do not play with their sports teams. Yes, and, and my favorite one on here. The 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 favorite actually a couple of them was the Green Bay Packers number six, which is surprising because there's a lot of Packer fans, right? Yeah. Uh, but I've never really run into any rude ones to be honest with you. Now back when they were a little more uh, competitive, maybe so. But with Packer fans at number six. And the Bills fans at number nine, the rude behavior is they get too drunk, <laughs> which I just thought was it was hysterical because it's like same with Cleveland Brown fans, uh, New Orleans Saints fans and New Orleans. Um, but anyway, so the, the, and I think that's the thing with Raider fans too, Mo, like our good friend uh, Wayne Mabry, the violator, they, you know, the, the super fans who dress up. Uh, they, some of them look intimidating and I think that reflects people take that and say, well, they must be rude or they must start a lot of fights Mm -hmm. or, or whatnot. Um, and so that, that, that unfair characterization of Raider nation shows up in polls like this. Uh, and it's really interesting too, even after the move to Las Vegas where the fan base is very mixed and it's still trying to kind of find its identity within Allegiant stadium. But you know what? Wayne is a very cool dude. He was tall, such a sweet guy. Yeah, like you've had him on the show. I believe mm-hmm. when we were on another show together, we yeah. we had Wayne on and he spoke to us and he was very down to earth guy. Very yeah. nice dude. Follows me on Twitter. I follow him back. Great guy. I, it, it's looks can be deceiving. Don't judge a book by its cover, but I get it. When you the, the point is when you dress up that way, as Wayne and a lot of other uh, fans do is to be intimidating when you walk into that stadium to intimidate the mm-hmm. opponent and that's the point of it that's the point of being a fan so i think people just have to separate the fan from the person but of course they don't know these fans so they're you know just going by by the cover well and i think to raider fans because the, the i always explain this to people when they when i meet people since since i'm since i'm further east now and they oh you you do a raider show and you you covered the team in Las Vegas and all that kind of stuff. And I say yeah. Well, and they start asking me about the fans because they say, well, oh man, it always looks like there's rough and all this and all that. And I always tell them the story too that Raider Nation is a culture. First of all, now yeah. there are fan bases that are great fan. I mean, Buffalo Bills fans are great fans. Good example. Okay, um, is it a culture? Somewhat. They have a tailgate culture. All that. But Raider Nation is is unto itself a very different group of people. It's people from all walks. Of life. It's to me the diversity of that group, and I'm not calling. I'm not talking about just Latino and African American white folks. I'm talking diversity from where they come from, background wise. You got bikers, you got blue blue collar guys, you got really wealthy folks, and so it creates this really interesting mix of people. And I remember as a kid, and I, and I've always talked about it on the show, having grown up in San Diego as a Chargers fan as a kid. And I remember one time, and this is what cemented when I was a young guy, and I used to make fun of Raider fans, by the way. Sorry, folks, I did. And um, <laughs> I went to a Charger Raider game. They they used to they used to always bring in metal detectors for the Raider games. Like they didn't have them for the rest of them. 
not that there was any big deal. Now, there one one year there was a stabbing, but it was that was an outlier. So it was like almost like the expectation was there were going to be people there who were going to be doing lawlessness, even though there was no reason for that. So they did that. So I was at a game. I was a kid. I, I was in high school, I think. And I'm sitting there and this Raider fan walks up and he's got jersey on and he's got one of those plastic like kids helmets, you know, like we used to wear when we were kids. You could get in the Sears catalog and all that Raiders mm-hmm. helmet. And the guy had the little teardrop. So he'd obviously been inside. Right. Uh, and he was a Latino guy and he comes up and it's mostly Charger fans in the section I'm in and uh, kind of upper deck area. And he comes up in the front of the section and he just stands there and he starts flipping everybody off. And he takes the helmet, he starts beating it against his head. He did this for a full quarter. Okay. So when I was young, yeah, yeah, it was crazy. Now that's wow. one guy. That's not representative of nation, of course. But it was like, oh my gosh, what is going on with this guy? And the, and even the ushers didn't want to deal with the guy, right? Because we're in the upper deck, we're in the cheap seats. And so nobody cared. But I think things like that, one person sees that and suddenly that's Raider Nation. When we know that's not true. I mean, we have Murph on our show on Sunday. He does the the, the One Nation Foundation for the Bolitnikoff uh, Foundation and all the money. I mean, they raised 10 grand. That fan base, Raider Nation, what they do for one another. If, if somebody in Raider Nation um, passes away, uh, people help out with cost. You, you have people who are struggling because they're out of work. Raider Nation steps up and helps. It doesn't matter where they're at. So so it's really an unfair characterization um, to put them. And again, these, these polls are all just for clicks and stuff like that because they're trying to get people to sign up for their betting app. But nonetheless, um, uh, I, I, I don't say it just because I'm throwing red meat, Mo, but... Raider Nation, as a fan base, as much as they can drive me crazy sometimes with hating on each other, by the way, the infighting, um, I've never met a fan base that's more passionate and more loyal than they are. I'll say this. I've I've written for different teams, or I, I should say I cover different teams across the league. I would, I would like to just ask, where are the Ravens ranked on that list? Because Ravens fans uh-huh. are very adamant they're very protective of their team if i if i wrote anything negative about the ravens mm. i would get ravens fans in my dm saying you don't know what you're talking about you idiot <laughs> how dare you they're I'm very they're very loud on they're very loud on twitter yeah so they rank 13th which is ironic because it's the baltimore ravens um and they have and their issue is starting fights too apparently mm. they they do it on social media yeah. I, I'm friends with maybe two Ravens fans because I know some people <laughs> in the DC in the DMV area and they're cool yeah. with me. But the Ravens fans who don't know me very well, anytime I said anything negative about you know Lamar Jackson, if I criticize the coaching or anything, they will come after you. Um, also, Giants fans are pretty mild mannered. I've grew up around Giants fans. Yeah, uh, they're not they're not as uh, I would say loud or. They don't make a big stick because they're kind of they're kind of reflective of the organization. The Giants are looked at as like a blue blood proper organization. Their fans kind of reflect that where they're not they're not too rowdy. Yeah, they rank eighth actually on this list. Oh, that's it surprising. Says, it says they heckle too much, which yeah, I, I've I've never had any issues with with Giants fans or seen them. Uh, Detroit Lions fans uh, are fifteenth. Charger fans, I guess they have some, are twenty first. <laughs> Vikings 20s people in Minnesota are really nice like they hey how you doing they don't they don't they don't really fight with people um and then the rest of them Broncos fans I would actually argue that Broncos fans are pretty rude the times I've encountered them so uh that's a and then Cardinal fans Houston and then Jacksonville Jaguars all six of them but um 
that that's one <laughs> Jaguars are going to be good next year, by the way. Um, I think so too. But yeah, so that's that's that list that we just wanted to go over because I, I I don't I don't think it's right when Raider Nation gets an image now. Maybe that image is going back to the the mid late '80s, early '90s with the yeah. hip hop connection and the NWA stuff, and so people yeah. think that's what it is, uh, mm-hmm. which we know it's not. So very interesting stuff. But we just wanted to talk about that. We thought it'd be fun for this Thursday. Um, we're gonna head off to our next break here. When we come back, we are going to talk about the game coming up against the Chargers. That's right. So uh, make sure you don't go anywhere. We'll come back. We'll talk about the game. What do the Raiders need to do? The Raiders have a really huge advantage in this game. We'll talk about how they can expose that and how this game, to me, is a really big one. Yes, even at four and seven, uh, it's a division game, but also uh, just continuing to put the streak together here and getting positive momentum for Las Vegas and Coach Josh McDaniels. Uh, This is Mo. This is Scott. We are Silver and Black today on Odyssey. We'll be back right after this message. Don't go anywhere. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back, Raider Nation. It is silver and black today. He is Momo and I am Scalco Branson. We are your guides heading towards the Charger game. Yes, your Raiders and the Chargers, Allegiant Stadium, 1.05 p.m. Pacific time as they get it on with their old school AFL rival. Uh, Mo, this game, you look at this and what's going on with uh, the Raiders and the Chargers. Uh, Chargers coming off a big win last week, of course, against the Cardinals. Raiders coming off a big win. What's the chances? You look at this situation. We talked about it earlier in the show. The Chargers run defense is, as our good friend Kelly Kreiner would call it, absolute trash, right? It's it's historically bad, much like the Denver offense overall is historically bad. The Charger run defense ranks as one of the worst through uh, 11 or 12 weeks uh, in the history of the NFL in the Super Bowl era, going back that far. Um, the Raiders come out, if Josh Jacobs is healthy as he as healthy as he was last week, uh, and that offensive line performance like it was, what what chances do you give this 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 Raiders team at home against the Chargers in this game? As I wrote in my sports not piece today. I actually think the Raiders have the upper hand, mm-hmm. especially in the trenches. When you talk about winning, you know, at the line of scrimmage, I think the Raiders can do that. I know their offensive line has gotten a lot of criticism from fans, including from you know from pundits and even us. But right now, I think the Raiders are stronger in that area than the Chargers. Of course, Rashawn Slater, their star left tackle is out. So um, on that side of the ball, on the other side of the ball, Joey Bosa is still recovering from surgery on his groin. Uh, Khalil Mack still on the field, but. For the most part, if you can run it up the middle of the Chargers defense, you can win the football game, control the game, and then win it. 
Now this all hinges upon Josh Jacobs. How how far can he go and how healthy is he? And that's what I wrote about my piece that, yes, if he's fine to go and he can handle 25 carries, all is good and no one even talks about this. But mm -hmm. if the Raiders had prepared a number two ball carrier who was reliable and capable, then even if Josh Jacobs can only handle 15 carries, I would still feel confident that the Raiders win this game because now you have two guys who can who can gouge the, the Chargers interior of their defense. But now you're hoping that Josh Jacobs just has enough to give it a go and give you another optimal performance on a bulky calf. But I still think the Raiders have a good chance. If you want to put a percentage on it, I say they still have a 60% a chance of winning the football game. What I fear, though, and this is my fear, that Josh Jacobs won't be able to do what he did last week. Now, I'm not expecting 300 yards, but is he able to get you 120, 130 yards mm -hmm. on a bulky calf in consecutive weeks? It's a tough ask for a player on that workload with a leg injury playing the running back position. So that is my concern right now. And you don't, again, you don't have a clear number two option. You're going to have to turn to the short passing game to mimic the run game. And it's not the same because you're taking away the physicality, that the physical advantage that you have in the trenches. Absolutely. And in fact, we're going to come back and talk about that in just a second. What we want to bring you is our producer, David Stepanian, produced this game preview. Here's David with a preview of Chargers versus Raiders. 11 months after one of the most memorable Sunday night football matches in recent history, the LA Chargers head back to Allegiant Stadium for a date with the Silver and Black. Both teams had heart stoppers last Sunday with the Raiders beating the Seahawks in overtime and the Chargers converting a game-winning two-point conversion in the final seconds against Arizona. Justin Herbert finished that game with three TDs and 274 yards, but no play was bigger than the two-point conversion a laser to Gerald Everett. Derek Carr got off to a rocky start with two interceptions in the first half, but finished the game with three TDs and 295 yards. Even with the losing record, he feels like things are turning around in the locker room. I think it shows that we believe in him and we're trying to do everything right. Um, again, it's new schemes. It's, it's a new philosophy to play the game and there's different rules for certain things. I mean, I messed something up today where I was like, like he got mad and I was like, what are you talking about? Like, I was like, I was right, you know? And, uh, and then I had to think, I was like, oh, that's a couple systems ago, you know? So I'm still, still processing through some of that, uh, you know, in certain things, but you know, it just, it's just growth and we're all just trying to do things the right way and uh, do them his way. And um, it shows that everyone's believing in that and trying to do them that way. And so um, for me, I'm trying to execute it, the reads and everything exactly how he wants it. So is the whole team. And you can tell everyone's believing and buying into that um, because of the success that we're starting to have. It doesn't mean anything now. You know, we still don't have a good record, um, but we're heading in the right direction. Josh Jacobs was the X factor for the Raiders in their win at Denver with an astonishing 229 yards rushing. And even last year's thriller against the Chargers was one of JJ's career best games with 132 yards. In fact, when the Raiders lost to the Chargers in LA three months ago, he only had 57 yards his second lowest this season. So Josh McDaniels knows just how important Jacobs is. Yeah, he's, uh, he's like, a, I've, I don't know, I'm running out of superlatives. Um, you know, he, you know, over 300 total yards in the game and, you know, he wasn't, you know, didn't feel perfect, you know, but, um, you know, he just, I think toughness, um, he's a football player. I mean, that's probably the greatest compliment I could give him. And, um, you know, he comes up big with, you know, big, he had a couple of big first downs on third and short that like, I'm not sure everybody in the league gets those, you know, but he did. And, 
you know, of course, you know, makes the big play at the end. But I thought he was tremendous throughout. Uh, gave us a lot of hard yards in a running game. Caught the ball well out of the backfield. Makes some big plays with his hands. And um, but that's JJ. That's what he is. You don't ever um, get to know somebody this well, you know, unless you're with them, you know, and coaching them. And um, I just have an incredible admiration uh, for. It's not just what he does on the field. It's how he practices, what he does in preparation, how attentive he is in the meetings, what he's like in the walkthroughs, um, how much he wants to win. You know, I mean, he just, he wants to win. And, uh, you know, that's the greatest compliment you could give somebody. <clears throat> does everything he can to help us. The four and seven Raiders have won back-to-back -back games for the first time this season. And after narrowly losing to the Chargers on the road back in September, the Silver and Black have a legit shot at a three-game winning streak. Kickoff is set for Sunday at 1.30, and the Raiders are a short two-point underdog at home. For Silver and Black Today, I'm David Stepanian. All right, thank you, David Stepanian, for his preview, Raiders versus Chargers. Uh, he mentioned the passing game in that piece of Mo as well. You look at this Chargers pass defense, too. Yes, they have Derwin James banged up injure, on the injury report for them as well. How does it shape up? We, we talk about the physical run game if Josh Jacobs is there, and if he's not, who else is going to fill the gap? Uh, but when it comes to the passing game, if they have to use the passing game more, uh, how does it match up there? I know it didn't. It, the Chargers really, I think, stymied the, the Raiders in the first contest. But this Chargers team seems to be a little more beat up. The Raiders are clicking and doing better. Derek Carr is more comfortable. Uh, what does that matchup look like for the Raiders on Sunday in Las Vegas? I think it's also favorable. I know uh, J.C. Jackson hasn't played well this year. He's out, of course. Uh, he's been out for weeks. Uh, but the Chargers, even without him, Chargers had a, still had a pretty decent secondary. Mm -hmm. But I don't think they have a match for Devontae Adams. And we've seen Devontae Adams put up big numbers this year when him and Derek Carr are clicking. The problem is what happens when they go through a rough patch or a dry spell where they're not clicking? And I think that's where Mac Hollins comes in. Mm -hmm. I have a fancy football piece coming out on Friday uh -oh. where I have Mac Hollins as a sleeper. And he's, I believe, available <laughs> in 75% of leagues. If he is available in your league, pick up Mac Hollins because – I think he's the guy that's been filling the void while Renfro and Waller have been out. Yeah, good fantasy tip. And by the way, you have not rubbed in the fact that you beat me this past week. Barely, I, I'm but a, you beat I'm me. Very, I'm a very noble gentleman. <laughs> I'm not going to call for Scotty anything disgusting. Oh. But yes, Scott is correct. I, I actually am third place in the league you after are. starting off 0-4. You are. I have not mentioned it. I have not bragged about it because I am being a noble gentleman about it. <laughs> By the way, well, I've won seven in a row. You've Just won seven? See, seven I was waiting. in a row. Now, you were out, so you couldn't brag about it, but I, I, thought, I, I thought as soon as you got back, you would. And I know a lot of the guys in the league, and, and then, of course, Wendy's in the league as well, they want to talk about it on the show, but we get such bad feedback when we talk about <laughs> fantasy football. What we're going to do, we're going to do like a, a, a league uh, conversation. We're going to get on like Twitter and do a, uh, an, a live audio or something with the guys in the league. Uh, but it's getting tight now. It's getting tight. Um, now with me losing, I think I'm back in a tie for first place. Uh, so aren't you technically in second then? Yes. Yes, you're technically right. in second place. Yeah, so Mo's right on my heels it could be bad for me. I've had some bad, bad runs the last few weeks. 
And Patrick Mahomes hasn't helped. I thought he would help, but he has not. And then I've uh, this past week, man, a couple of rough starts. But anyway, let's get back to Raiders football. <laughs> I digress. Um, so so the, the, the Raiders have advantage, obviously, the running game, big game. And as you mentioned, you think they have the upper hand in the passing game as well. But the Chargers, and I know Char- or excuse me, Raider fans and their feelings for uh, Justin Herbert. But he's a good young quarterback, and he gets out there, and he's slinging the ball around. You saw him come back. Derek Carr gets a lot of credit for his late-game comebacks, but Herbert's doing the same kind of thing. Yes, he hasn't been to a playoff game, but what he did against the Cardinals, I know it's the Cardinals, but what he did against the Cardinals was pretty impressive. Right, they came back. The Cardinals had to lead at the end, and basically uh, the Chargers pulled the rabbit out of their hat uh, <laughs> one by one point. So I'll give credit to the Chargers. I, I still have my questions about Brandon Staley. I think eventually they get rid yeah. of him. Yeah. I, I'm just not a believer in him. I've watched enough Chargers games to know that he. I don't think he's the guy. But that's you know that's besides the point. But Raiders Chargers, this is going to be another close game because they've played each other close. Uh, recent games have just been down to the wire. You could talk about last year's game where the Raiders won. You can even talk about this year's game where the Raiders started out. Derek Carr threw a bunch of picks and still. The Raiders lost by a slim margin. So if you're a Raider fan looking at that and saying, we've made all those mistakes and we were able to keep it close. Now the Chargers don't have Rashawn Slater. They don't have Joey Bosa. Uh, our our interior of our defensive line is starting to click. When I say our, I mean the Raiders. Uh, when you look at that, Josh Jacobs running wild. When you look at that, you have to feel good about this game. And it's just funny to me because just a few weeks ago, Raiders fans were just like, okay, just give us the, a top three pick and let's move on. <laughs> and now we're having a totally different conversation after two overtime wins. Yes, we are. We're talking about trying to pull closer to second place in that division. And maybe there's a miracle. I'm not going to say the P word, but maybe there's a miracle and they go on a run because last year I was on this show and we and we felt like the Raiders were done last year at the end. And what happened? Mm-hmm. They won four straight to get in the into the you know what i'm not gonna say the p word but you know what they did last pickle, year you know pickle, how they ended pickle <laughs> what oh oh different p word okay right you you know what they did last year you know where they uh-huh. went last year so yeah i'm just saying i'm not saying they're gonna go there this year but i'm saying that season's not over but they're also what, what's interesting about the comparison to last year mo is that they're facing a lot of teams down the stretch here who have some of the same issues you saw last year which mm-hmm. were in key injuries to key players Okay, Mm -hmm. the Chiefs have stayed healthy for the most part. Right. But but you look at everybody else they're coming up against here and you see a lot of injuries, a lot of struggling. So uh, it'll be look, I agree. I'm not I'm not there. I continue to say that they're not going to make it to the P word. But uh, (laughs) but, uh, people are like, what are you? But but at the same time, they win. They win. Exactly. They win. (laughs) They win against the Chargers at home. Three in a row, they would be one of the hottest teams in the NFL, and if, if not the hottest team in the NFL, right? And if that's mm-hmm. along with the Jets. So if you do that, then suddenly when you get a team with that much confidence, with that much momentum going that well at, at one time, at the right time, you just never know. Before I gave my projection, I want the hardcore diehard Raiders fans to cover their ears really quick. That's you. <laughs> Sashi, if you're listening to this podcast, shout oh, out to you. Oh, Cover your ears for about, you know, a good minute here. Um, yeah. So the betting column for Bleach Report came out today. Mm-hmm. And four of my colleagues picked, well, four of us picked the Chargers to win. Two of us picked the Raiders to win. Uh, the projection score was 34-31 Chargers mm-hmm. because the majority went with the Chargers. Me personally, I think we're going to be having a conversation next week about what I said in the sports.com that 
why didn't the Raiders have a second ball carrier ready? Because I just mm. worry that Josh Jacobs isn't able to do what he did or get, even give 75% of what he did last week. Now, if I'm wrong, I, I'll be happy to be wrong about that. But I felt like the Raiders, that Josh McDaniel shot himself in the foot by not getting a guy for these specific situations. Because to me, you draft Zamir White, you draft Brit, uh, right. Britton Brown for these situations. And just in case Josh Jacobs is nicked up, now you have two guys who can get out there and tilt the rock. And the Raiders didn't develop any of those guys. Yeah. And I think it's at this point, it could come back and bite them in the butt now that he's dealing with an injury. So I would happy to be wrong about this. I really, really would, Raiders fans. But I worry that Josh Jacobs isn't going to have enough to beat the Chargers with that injury. Now, if Josh Jacobs is fully healthy, I would go and I would say I think the Raiders win this game because they have that clear advantage. But that injury, that injury that he has makes me nervous about this matchup. I think the Chargers come out on top by a field goal. Yeah, it would be nice to have Kenyon Drake about now, wouldn't it? Somebody. <laughs> anyway, but okay, so there you go from Mo. It's going to be a good game. I'm excited about it. And uh, we will be talking about it on the postgame show Sunday as well. So make sure you join us for that. Uh, Mo, my friend, thanks, man. I'm glad you're feeling so much better. I know everybody's been excited that you've been back. Me, eh, you know, I could do without you. No, I'm just kidding. I, I love having you back. Uh, but we will talk to you again uh, next Tuesday for the show and get your your post game on that as you've had time to watch that film. Make sure you also read Mo's stuff. He talked about his Sports Not column up today. Also his Bleacher Report betting column, which he's part of with a bunch of other writers there. Make sure you read both of those and follow him on Twitter at Mo Moten. That's Mo with an E-M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N. My friend, take care. We'll talk to you on Tuesday. Hopefully after a win. Despite my prediction, I do hope Chris <laughs> come out with a victory, fans. Don't, he hopes. Let's not get That's that right. twisted. That's right. I'm sure they'll love that. All right. There you go. That was Bo. And this has been Silver and Black today. For our listeners on 98.5 The Fan in Las Vegas, we appreciate you being with us. Make sure you also subscribe to our Odyssey original podcast. You can get it four times a week. That's right. Silver and Black today. You can get that wherever you get your podcast. For our producer, David Stepani and Formo Moten, I am Scott Branson. We'll talk to you guys on the postgame show live after Raiders and Chargers. Take care and have a great, great weekend, everybody.